0: personality. Van Til has pointed out that the image of God in the wider or more general sense means that man, like God, is a personality. In the redeemed man, this means that man becomes progressively more and more a person, self-conscious in his growth and character, as opposed to being unconscious of his nature, and steadily manifesting more and more the image of God in knowledge, righteousness, holiness, and dominion. Sanctification is thus the development of the personality of man, when viewed from this perspective. The fall of man, however, has its effect on this aspect of man's being also. Because every facet of man's being testifies to the sovereign God, it becomes imperative for rebellious man to deny that witness by an escape from personality. Man then seeks anonymity. He wants to become a face in the crowd. The city both aggravates man's loneliness because of its impersonal life and also gratifies man in his flight from personality. Man suppresses his totally personal and self-conscious nature because he finds it a burden to live with. For this reason, both before and after Freud, the concept of the unconscious has had a very great appeal to man. The guilt which man feels intensely and consciously before God, he ascribes to ancient and primitive forces in his unconscious mind. Guilt is thus depersonalized by Freud with his concepts of the id, ego, and superego. Depersonalizing guilt means depersonalizing man also. Thus, in the commission of his sin and rebellion against God, and in his profane life, man finds his self-expression and pleasure. In this, man is still personal. When guilt ensues, man insists on depersonalizing the guilt and blaming it on ancient unconscious urges. But man is a unity, and he cannot depersonalize one area of his life without depersonalizing other areas. Every transgression of God's law is an act of depersonalization, because it is an attempt by man to use other men and their possessions in contempt of God's law. Murder is a radical destruction of another man's life and personality, but adultery or any sexual sin constitutes a similar depersonalization of another person and of ourselves in order to serve an impulse. Our possessions are linked to our persons and are expressive of our personalities, and their theft is an assault on our persons. To bear false witness concerning any man is to attempt to damage his person and personality. Sin thus leads to a progressive depersonalization of man. The so-called sexual revolution gives telling examples of this fact. J.W. Wells' accounts of several cases of menage a trois indicate the studied assault on personality. Every case cited by Wells has homosexual and incestuous aspects. These indicate an attempt by those involved to overthrow God's law and to reduce all relationships to sex. The sexual urge is moreover altered to an urge to exploit and to degrade. It is sadistic in character and masochistic and guilt-ridden in application. The delight of one man was incest with his sister, begun early in life and continued, and to know that his wife played roles in pornographic films. Pictures of his wife engaged in homosexual and heterosexual relations with others delighted him. All such acts, purely sexual in nature, in films or in life, delighted him to a far-reaching degree because of their depersonalizing nature. He could not be impersonal about his wife and sister, but he could depersonalize them into purely sexual objects, to be used by himself and made available for others' uses. With other people, this man enjoyed being impersonal, hence his delight in a sexual orgy. He thus declared, I found it very satisfying, for example, that I would tumble a girl at a party without knowing her name, or her knowing mine, without either of us giving a damn. A high point in his experience was an episode which went a step further. He took a girl at one orgy without her even knowing who it was that had obliged her. Every violation of God's law means either the depersonalizing of man or an impersonal use of man. It is only in God and under God's law that man can be personal and a personality. The common belief has it that the law is impersonal. God's law is never impersonal, however. God is no respecter of persons, Deuteronomy ten seventeen, second Chronicles nineteen seven, Job thirty four nineteen, Acts ten thirty four, Romans two eleven, Galatians two six, Ephesians six nine, Colossians three twenty five, and first Peter one seventeen. Moreover, judges must not respect persons in judgment. Deuteronomy 17. To enforce the law without respect of persons does not make the law impersonal or the accused less a person. Rather, it works to preserve the personal application of the law. Not the condition of a man, his prestige, wealth or poverty are to be the criteria of judgment, but his personal act, which is the subject of the trial. Thus in terms of scripture, man can only have a truly personal relationship when it is under law, because only then does he respect his person and the person of his wife, friend, neighbor, or enemy. Every attempt by existentialism to have an I-Vow relationship is doomed. It depersonalizes all concerned because it leaves out God and his law. Not surprisingly for existentialism, the neighbor or the other person is the devil, Sartre. Only when relationships are mediated by God and his law, Only when they are I, God and his law, and thou relationships, can they be truly personal. To leave out God and his law is to create a communications gap, an inability to communicate. In hell, this communications gap is total. Man is totally trapped in his own ego, unable to communicate with God or man. He can only experience the gnawing, burning, depersonalized pain of his own being and is eternally alone with himself. On the other hand, God's new creation, being free from sin, sees a full, perfect, and free communication of totally self-conscious personalities, and Christ's name shall be in their foreheads, Revelation twenty-two, two four. These free men in Christ are now fully that which Christ created and recreated them to be, and their personality is now open and manifest in its revelation of their new humanity in Jesus Christ.